Hello and welcome to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize, a podcast about the business side of being creative. My name is Chris Scott. My name is Atish. And in this week's episode, we talk about the law of diminishing returns and how to decide whether your efforts are effective or if they're not effective. If they're in the fun quadrant or in the Mordor quadrant. Yeah, yeah man. So here we are. Okay. Yeah, we're doing we're doing the old long distance podcast. And I know I've I've said this a lot that long distance is the wrong distance, but we're going to we're going to make this work. Yeah. I mean, it's uh so, you know, this episode might be a little bit more buggy than the next ones, but just like how our uh our first episode is probably way worse than, you know, subsequent episodes. You know, these are all things we're going to figure out as we go. Right, right, right. Um so yeah. Uh what's going on, Atish? How's life? Uh, Life's good. Uh, I've really just been kind of working on uh, kind of the the sort of projects that I uh, have been looking to get into. Like I've been looking at things from like an operational standpoint and figuring out where there's a lot of sand in the gears. And I've already kind of figured out one issue that the company is having, which is basically that um, they lack good communication from different divisions or different branches to different people. Like in a, in a lot of the sales uh, requests that they get, you know, the, the actual individual, like the rep or the person who is selling isn't giving nearly enough detail or annotations in their report or anything like that. So it's hard to figure that out from the other end, but for people who are actually building the items or anything like that. So, I mean, totally not interesting probably, but it's, uh, it's just one of those things that, I, I like kind of getting myself used to uh, looking into these processes and then breaking them down into components and figuring out from there what could be done better and what is kind of already optimized. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's been uh, my week. What have you been up to? Uh, let's see. This week I've done a lot of, I did a lot of writing, a lot of uh, just business planning and, and idea writing thought clouds. What do you call those? Uh, uh fuck clouds. Those cloud thingies with the the spider diagrams. Spider diagrams. You know what I'm talking when you write like an idea in the center and then you you web off with different ideas. Oh, um web web diagrams? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I they, I think they might be called web di- web web diagrams. Uh, uh there's a word for it. Uh Venn, not Venn diagrams. That's what the two circles. Idea, idea mapping, I- idea matrix. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, you've been you've been making a lot of idea charts. Man, that's gonna bug me. Yeah, I know that's gonna bug me too. Um, what about specifically about the shorts about your uh, production company? Well, I've been trying to figure out how how I'm gonna go about creating content to build mm-hmm. my audience. Yeah. So, so I like last week I tried doing some some vlogging and some uh, like a tutorial video, and it was it was kind of weird and awkward. And I I just I learned a lot from doing one, and now I, I need to figure out how to restructure for round two. So I, I feel more comfortable doing it. It's just one of those things that takes practice. I feel the more you do it, the more comfortable you get, the easier it becomes. Yeah, I mean it, it's uh did did I already talk about uh, that principle of greasing the groove on here? You say that all the time, so maybe. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's basically just the idea that, you know, the more uh, practice you get with something or like the better or the more times you've been in one familiar scenario, you know, kind of like your your brain is more uh, accustomed to doing those sorts of procedures and those sorts of things. So, I mean, for me, I'm trying to hammer out like I've gotten really proficient at reading and absorbing information, but I'm still lacking in terms of uh, uh, putting out those things like I'm not good at producing. So therefore, like I have to force myself to write all the time just to not be such a shitty, uncomfortable writer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the doing it like doing the first time you do it. It's just weird and awkward. And then it just gets easier with time. Yeah. Much like this podcast, (laughs) much like this podcast. And now we're kind of resetting because we're doing a brand new setup and it's exciting. I know. And and we were uh, supposed to record at one and it took us about 40 minutes to figure out our respective setups. (laughs) But, uh, but we're here, we're rolling, we're still moving forward. And it was kind of, you know, just making me think of, you know, this year I'm trying to do things differently, try to approach the whole filmmaking world in, in a different way, more so than the way that, uh, I kind of thought was the only way to do it. The kind of, I kind of broke up with this idea that I had about being a filmmaker. Yeah. The one that you just make a feature film and then all these doors magically open mm-hmm. and that's not the case. And so now I'm, I, I broke up with that, uh, that idea and I'm going to rebound with these brand new ideas that we're, I'm trying to implement. Hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the, mindset that you have to have in any of these endeavors like too many people think you can just uh i mean maybe in in regular sort of jobs you can have these uh sort of things where once you get the job down once you're kind of at the acquisition point um then you can uh then you can kind of just coast for a while so so this wasn't really the graph that i was talking about but here's another graph (laughs) Uh-oh. So, so if you imagine, um, this is like true for technology or for learning or for a lot of these paradigms like this. If you imagine a uh, S, but it doesn't have like the curve top and bottom, right? So it's just a flat line and then into a curve that winds out into another flat line, right? Um, this is the stupidest thing ever for listeners that I'm describing. <laughs> it's, a, it's an S-shaped graph. That's basically all I mean. And, it, and it's just extended over a period of time. Like uh, it's just pulled or stretched along the x-axis, right? Okay. So what happens is the first, you know, upswing in anything is going to be a really kind of a rapid expansion uh, because you're learning or you're advancing or you're gaining at a really like sort of aggressive pace. Um, and then eventually you hit the top of that, uh, which is called um, adoption, which is where for the most part, like everything, you know, you've gained the maximal amount of um, information or you've sold to the maximum amount of people that you naturally could or something like that. Like this, this kind of thing is applicable across the board, like for a lot of things. And then you kind of flatten out into a plateau, right? Uh So you had this rapid growth expansion that went almost vertical. Like that's how, uh, how speedy it can go, but then it inevitably flattens out. And that's where you have all the people who want your product have already bought it or all the things you could possibly learn from that job. You already have, you know what I mean? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So I feel like that's what ends up happening with, uh, with, 
a lot of these uh, projects is that you can either find yourself in a position where you've done everything you could do and then you kind of just like stagnate there or you have to kind of then up the ante or change things in order to create a whole new point of expansion and then it makes a whole nother s-graph and another s-graph and another s-graph and they're always like attached to each other do you know what i mean and then you have a sweater (laughs) yeah something like that um yeah i get what you're saying it's uh you know a one step forward and two steps back but then four steps forward and then one step back and and then you're on the curve Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially, I guess the idea is to always um, kind of have some trajectory as opposed to just kind of like flatlining. Right. Because a a slingshot's not always firing. You got to pull it back to let that pebble fly. Right. Right. That was uh, very, very uh, biblical of you. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Let my Um, people go. (laughs) Um. But yeah, that's that's kind of what made me think about, you know, a lot of our efforts in terms of um like for you actually creating stuff and and for me in a sense that as well. But um also in terms of like our ideas for marketing these things or for uh distributing or anything like that can all kind of be um charted in in a similar sort of way. You know what I mean where uh we we have to get valuable metrics on anything in order to know whether something is working or whether it's not right. Whether, whether you should, uh, you know, recheck what you've been up to and, and, uh, adjust or completely quit on, on your, whatever effort you're, uh, you're doing. So for instance, in the case of, um, you know, marketing for your, uh, for your movie, mm-hmm. how would you go about, uh, how would you go about figuring out if your marketing efforts for uh, for Murder Mystery Night are working? Probably ticket sales. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's the most obvious, tangible way is like ticket sales, right? Or I mean, a little less because, as we know, leads don't necessarily uh, don't necessarily mean a sale per se, mm-hmm. but that's that's kind of the difference that you're working with here is uh your your total sales are ticket sales right right i guess what we would call your leads are your outreach so you know any kind of social media push or any any kind of posts like that how many likes or how many views or how much attention it gets that's a lead right i, I think with this uh event i want to attempt to do a email list an email list. Yeah. I've been thinking about email list a lot lately. Yeah. And how many emails I get and how many emails, uh, I, I just kind of just mark as read, even though I don't read it, but I still want (laughs) to follow that person. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, totally. Like that person that sends out a newsletter once a month. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that's really good stuff. And sometimes it's just like, what's happening. Yeah. But, um, some people way overdo it on the email department but I just feel like an email is kind of like the one thing that can't be, uh, I don't know, like monetized for other people. Like it's my list. Yeah. And yeah, I, I write the content and I, I send it, I get to decide what's in that email. It's not, you know, some, it's not part of some algorithm that may or may not get in front of one of my friends on my friends list that I've been friends with forever. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. You don't have to really, um, 
do a whole lot of background research into figuring out how you can use these uh, like reporting alg- algorithms to push you to the top of the stack. Uh-huh. You kind of have like a, a pretty firm control over what you send out. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely email lists that I find super annoying, but then there are ones that kind of work. Like, for instance, um, I think the best one that I've seen is uh, Tim Ferriss's Five Bullet Friday. Uh So first of all, right there, I mean, I think that's something we've been saying since the inception of this podcast, whether we've been saying it on the podcast itself or just outside of it in reference to. But um, like, what what have we been saying? Uh, Consistency equals craveability. Right. Right. So I get a whole lot of emails from, you know, because I like just because you have to use your email to sign up for a bunch of dumb bullshit. That's basically what they exchange to you (laughs) in order for you to see some content or something like that. Yeah. I unsubscribe to a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. As you should. (laughs) But I end up getting a whole lot of bullshit emails about, you know, like whatever. Um, A whole lot of them or about content creation or like uh, small business startups or that kind of thing. Like, because I do a whole lot of research into that. So I end up getting emails about it. But the problem is, is that they, uh, they will just email me like whenever, like some days I get some and some days I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Whereas with Tim Ferriss's it's five bullet Friday. I have it in my inbox every single Friday morning. Right. Right. So I'm, yeah, every, at the same time, so kind of just like this podcast, we decided on a time and we decided on a day, and then we have struggled <laughs> to uh, make sure that keeps happening. We faltered a little bit, but we've been keeping the day pretty consistent. Yeah, since no, we set the the day. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I um, I follow uh, a email list called uh, No Film School, and what it is is they send you an email. I think every Saturday. And it's mm-hmm. all the articles about filmmaking and whatever, whatever everybody else would be emailing you about regularly. They kind of take uh-huh. it all and put it all into one email and say, hey, here's all the articles this week that you should check out. Oh, that's cool. And it's super helpful. It, it kind of just compiles all the stuff that's out there. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Well, it actually, yeah, that's kind of the same thing. This, this is interesting because we're coming from two different kind of perspectives or we're reading about two different content, but the method of delivery is much the same. Mm-hmm. So Tim Ferriss's five bullet Friday, it's like, it's, um, it's five things of that past week that he's been reading or he's been doing or listening to, or things to check out or blah, 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 things to buy, yada, yada. He compiles it for you. So you just have like little information, like articles at at your fingertips. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So it's like, he's generating that for you. And I know it's there every single Friday and it's just very easily con- like you can click it, read it, consume it. And then it's done for the day. So it's very easy to be like the beginning of my work day on Friday. Right. Whereas a lot of these, uh, email lists and stuff like that are just like huge long essays built into the email body itself. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I guess what the takeaway is that, you want to have a compilation of stuff that people, if they have the time or the desire to, they can expound on that in particular, but you don't want to just shoot an essay right into their inbox. Right. Unless you, um, I don't know. I, I know there's a couple people that I follow that do that. They do send, uh, essays, but it's kind of like, uh, it, it starts off with like, uh, a, a specific title in the email header. Mm-hmm. email title. I don't know. I've, emails are hard. I got to re- do some research <laughs> on emails, but, um, it's like, Oh, I can't believe I did this this week or 
or 12 things I wish I knew four years ago, something like that. Yeah. And then there's a paragraph that's, that says, uh, four years ago, I thought this was the truth and now it's not, this is what I believe. And it's kind of, it kind of like, lets you like newspaper articles in theory, every newspaper article, the first paragraph tells you what the entire article is about. Mm -hmm. So you can read an entire newspaper, just the first paragraph of all the articles and get the gist of what the entire story is about. Yeah. So I feel like people don't do that often. Yeah. Hmm. So, but the few people I do know that do that, I don't unfollow them because I know, oh, this might be worth reading or it might not be worth reading based off that first paragraph. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. So you're going to try and create an email list, uh, for this upcoming, uh, murder mystery night and you're, it's going to be filled with like updates or behind the scenes content or what? I think it's going to be filled with behind the scenes like follow me on my journey type of thing. Oh, that's cool. And maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I think it's definitely a good, a good, uh, way to sort of generate interest or like keep people, uh, keep people in line with what you're doing. I mean, what we were talking about, I think in, I forget if it was the most recent one or the podcast before that, but we were talking about kind of the principle of reciprocity. I always uh -huh. stumble over that word. Um, but basically that, if people feel like they're building up this project with you or they're seeing it come together as it's going, they're more likely to be, to want to be involved with it later on when it comes to ticket sales and that sort of thing. Right. Right. So you're basically the way that, you know, you are going to track the effectiveness or the efficacy rather of, um, your email listserv is, uh, is, how many people are, I, I guess, could you possibly create a tracker or a notification or something? Like I know how, like, for instance, LinkedIn will tell you when people look at your LinkedIn profile. Right. Or like when you appear in searches. If you sign up for one of those, um, like MailChimp or there's another one called Drip, I think. Mm -hmm. they, they track all that stuff for you. Oh, okay. That's cool. And they tell so, you who's opened what who hasn't opened an email in a while and it helps you categorize your list even if you want. So let's oh, say you cool. have, you know, a hundred people on your list and 25 of them open everything and click on every link. You can send them special stuff. And then there's 75 that don't ever open the email. You don't have to nag them all the time. You can just send yeah. them, you know, one here or there to see if they're alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so basically that's perfect. That's perfect because essentially the only way that you can really effectively, you know, as we're talking about how to kind of make these decision or these uh, calls on whether or not your efforts are, you know, working, whether they're effective or whether they're not, you know, um, you, the only metrics that are valuable to you are how many, you know, promising leads is your email list creating or keeping around with you and that kind of stuff. As in how many people are opening your emails, reading them, how many people are clicking through the, the click through links to watch videos or to do whatever, you know, et cetera, how many people are responding, yada, yada, yada. So you can see how many, you know, leads there are. And then, uh, you can see how much, like maybe you sell your, tickets through your email list or something like that. Something like obvi that. Obviously you do um, like in-person sales as well, mm -hmm. but that, that's of course a little bit harder to get any data on, but we can see how many, um, 
how many of your online leads like via email actually turned into uh, tangible sales. Right. You know what I mean? And then we can kind of see how effective this, this method is if you have like a different way that was better, um, that sort of thing. So once you kind of collect that data on that, we can kind of decide uh, whether or not it's an effective strategy. But now the real question is, I guess, when did you decide personally um, that maybe it just needed something like a tweak to fix it or that it's not worth it anymore and you don't want to do it anymore or you don't want to try that method anymore? When, when does that happen for you? Uh, for, for what in regards to changing my approach to being a filmmaker? Uh, changing your approach to being a filmmaker, but like specific marketing, you know, efforts like such as the email list. You know what I mean? I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but like in your mind, where would you decide that this is not working and you need to change something or completely scrap that idea? I feel like uh, with social media on on some fronts, I mean, I do have some, you know, positive experiences on social media, but the thing that always seems to happen is I feel like I'm always like hitting a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Like I get a response from, you know, the 50 people that like everything or click on everything, but it just never grows from that. There's no, there was, there hasn't been any growth from it. And it's been a couple of years of that. Yeah. And I feel kind of like in a rut in the social media world. So I kind of need to do something to break out of that. So what you're saying is you're basically at the plateau point of the S graph, right? So I need to curve. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, essentially what that means is, you know, being able to innovate on your strategy, like what, what you're providing to people. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of, uh, that, that, that flattening out on the S curve is kind of what, uh, we call the law of diminishing returns, right? Okay. So essentially you, you know, like if you imagine, um, like, uh, what's, what's your favorite plant? Ooh, uh, e egg. <laughs> Wrong answer. Okay. Let's just say you're growing some corn, right? Oh no, that's all genetically modified. And the, <laughs> the reason why everyone's a gluten allergic person. Yeah. Or like so many people I know have gluten allergies now, or like have Crohn's disease or something out of nowhere. It's because of all the genetically modified wheat and corn. Because okay, it's in well, everything. Conspiracy theory of the week. <laughs> well, what would you rather grow? I'm going to say you're growing corn. I don't give a shit. I'm going to plow forward on this. So, so imagine for a second that you're growing some corn. All right, and you have like uh, I don't know an acre of corn. I don't I don't know if that's a lot or a little. I actually don't visibly know what an acre refers to. So whatever. Okay. So you've got an acre of corn. The thing that you intrinsically have to accept is that the same input across the board, like the same amount of fertilizer, the same amount of water, that sort of stuff across the board is not going to yield the same output. Right? Just because that's that's the way life works. You don't grow like one corn stock. (laughs) You picked it, not me. Yeah. Fuck. Why did I go with this one? (laughs) What? One corn stalk is not intrinsically, even given the same amount of fertilizer and the same amount of water, is not going to come out the same. Right. Right. So that's not, but that's not necessarily a knock on your approach. That might just be, um, that's, that's just 
that's life. That's science. That's, you know, things are always going to be that way. Mm -hmm. But you have to be cautious of, you know, the, where you do find generalized trends. So let's say, you know, your plants are doing good, but you want to get more out of them. You give more fertilizer. Beautiful. It ends up, uh, let's say giving you a third extra yield. Yeah, I'm making this way more complicated than it needs to be. But anyways, yeah, I don't know. So I don't think the plants work in, in your analogy section. No, it totally does. It totally does. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you end up getting more of a yield. So then you, well, no, like, I, 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 it's like, uh, like the rush hour movies, like you made a rush hour movie with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker uh-huh. and you keep forcing it and they just get worse and worse. Cause you're not really, uh, it's, it's diminishing in return, right? Yeah, but I mean, okay, I'm adding a little bit too much complexity to this because there can be times where you're trying the same. Okay, so fine. Let's take the rush hour movies. (laughs) So the first one you input this, uh, you know, this buddy cop movie with um, one Chinese guy and one really annoying guy, really annoying guy, really annoying guy. And you get out, you know, this good response on it. So then the next time you try and just up the ante, you make the annoying guy more annoying and you add some more Kung Fu. Right. Or In China. Karate or like whatever it is he does. I, I don't know. Um, and, and so, you know, you, you do that and you still end up getting a positive response, but there's a marketed difference. So the, the, let's say, uh, the ratings you got the first time you got, um, a seven out of 10. Uh-huh. And then this time you get a, uh, you get an, an eight out of 10, but the increase that you put in. So the, the amount of stuff or the amount of be higher sequelizing or you, well, no, the amount of sequelizing that you did did not necessarily correlate to that much great, greater of a movie. You did get some benefit, but it wasn't the same amount of benefit as you got the first time around. Right. Now, the third time, you, like, really try and jam out on it, right? You you make Chris Tucker the silliest bitch, you know, you've ever seen, and you put in so much karate, but it's all filmed Michael Bay style, so you can't even really tell what's going on. Right. And now the movie tanks, right? It does absolutely dog shit. Right. So, basically, you can get positive returns out of increasing your efforts or increasing one particular style of marketing or your strategy, but it may not... It may not actually, you may put in double your efforts, but you may not get double the returns. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. That's part of diminishing returns as well. And then the more known part of diminishing returns is where you actually yield negative returns, where you end up doubling your input, but you get out less than you did the first time around. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what's kind of, so it, it kind of, um, that's the thing about social media marketing strategies is that you can, for the most part, do everything kind of the same. Like you, you uh, find, you know, a time of the day that's working really well. Like, so for instance, I post all my stuff uh, right before noon because generally, I don't know why, but that's when I get the most, uh, I get the most uh, feedback or the most uh, likes, comments, etc. Right. When I give it that much of the day to go through. I get that much, much more response. Um, 
but you can try and put something down like some marketing strategy directly to the same time of day, the same, you know, hashtags, blah, blah, blah. And you may not get out the same response, the same yield, right? Mm-hmm. That would be diminishing returns. So I think the the key to having a, you know, constantly stable sort of strategy is to always be number one, always be creating like you are. So now you're working on multiple fronts. You're doing focus scout stuff. You're doing um, a podcast, you're doing uh, video work and you're doing um, what else was I just saying? Jackie Chan references. Yeah. And you're, and you're making Jackie Chan references. But, but the point is, is that if you keep creating on all these fronts and, you know, doing stuff, you have a, more of a chance of exposure, basically, without kind of relying on the same methods and the same techniques to drive greater and greater yields. Right. I, yeah. Doing the same thing over and over again was just not happening. Yeah. It wasn't creating anything. It wasn't doing anything. So trying all these new things is definitely a stretch for me, but I think it's going to be worth it in the end. Right. Right. And, and I mean, only you'll be able to measure kind of like how much response you're getting and what works and what doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, um, for instance, who are, who are the, uh, who are the two biggest, you know, or, or what comprises the two biggest entities on say Instagram corn and wheat. (laughs) No, um, celebrities and girls who take butt pictures, right? Those are literally, that's the majority of Instagram. And they're both for the most part recession proof because, uh, but, but as most of these things go, if you're not intrinsically a famous person who is already creating and building a fan base and other stuff, you always see these other profiles pick up stuff like, oh, now I am a fitness person. And so they're, they're changing their kind of technique and they're changing their outreach because otherwise you end up flatlining on the amount of guys who just want to see butt pictures and you end up like increasing onto like different channels or different like uh, areas of awareness. Right. I guess. So kind of making your content, not just for like, I think a lot of, um, a lot of the, you know, marketing stuff you did on Instagram was targeted towards, uh, creative types, like already people who are already into filmmaking and already are into, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. It, it's kind of, you, you need to consider like how you can kind of, uh, widen your approach to still be applicable. Like it, it can't be super wide because then it becomes, uh, meaningless. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? But like making it so just every once in a while you, you find different pockets to kind of put out Chris Scott stuff. Yeah. I got to fill up all those pockets, <laughs> fill up those pockets with corn and wheat and wheat. Um, so this is kind of what I meant with, uh, with the, the actual graph I wanted to describe, right? Uh-huh. So you've got an x-axis and a y-axis. All right. And, and there's an S on it. No, there's no S's. There's no S's. Did you ever S-S. watch um, S Club 7? No. What's S Club 7? It was an amazing show back in the day. <laughs> and, and there ain't no party like an S Club party. Anyway, continue. Wait. Is it is it like uh, is it like one of those nine hundred two one zero the OC kind of shows or what? No, it's like a like it? it's like a British uh, like Nickelodeon m- music group show. 
Oh. And like these Brits come to America and they try to make it and they get into all sorts of hilarious predicaments. Is this, is this the show your uh, buddy worked on? No, that's a different show. Oh, but it's like okay. that one. Okay. Except British and older. <laughs> British and older. Right. Heard. Um, so I guess what I mean is uh, you, you always have to be kind of constantly monitoring whether your efforts are uh, in one of these regards. So you have, a, you have an x-axis and a y-axis. So you've got quadrants one through four, right? And basically what the x-axis is, is on the positive side, is it like... It, it measures how enjoyable this is for you, right? Like, uh-huh. like, um, I really like, uh, I really like doing uh, this podcast, for instance. So for me, this ranks on the positive side of in- enjoyable. If if I really hated doing this podcast, like let's say this is my marketing technique, and I really hated doing this podcast, it would be on the negative side of the x-axis, right? Right. So on the y-axis of this graph is. Um, effectiveness how how much reach do i get with this mm-hmm. right so basically you have the quadrants going from left to right and then back around you've got um not enjoyable but effective you have enjoyable and effective you have uh you have enjoyable and effect and wait <laughs> I, mean, I, oh, I don't know where you're going with this. Enjoyable and not effective. And then you have in the last quadrant, not enjoyable, not effective. Right. And so this is kind of how I conceptualize whether or not, you know, I should continue with a marketing strategy or should I not? Because just because something is enjoyable, if I like to do it, it won't really be like work. So, you know, that's really at your, if it's costing you a whole lot or something like that, like if you are putting up lots of billboards or you're paying for lots of this ad space on Instagram or yada, yada. And if you're paying a whole lot and it's you're you enjoy making that content, but you're not getting a lot of returns on it, then you should probably cut it. But if it's enjoyable, maybe it's not working as well as you want, but it's not costing you anything. Why the fuck not? Just keep doing what you like. Right. On the converse side, though, if it's effective but not enjoyable, uh, you know, then you might have to make some tough decisions. Because if you're getting a whole lot of outreach, but it's a whole lot of work or it's driving you kind of crazy, it might be worth it for, you know, six months' time just to uh-huh. make sure you're really getting the kind of aggressive style of growth that you need. So, um, you know, it, like, like your, uh, take your vlogs, for example. Like you haven't quite found your groove. You're, you haven't really uh, made it into like an enjoyable habit or something like that. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a good way for everyone to like, first of all, your first one looked great. And, but then it's a, it's a kind of a good way for you to expand that the amount of people that you're reaching or the different methodologies. It would almost be a really great thing maybe to have on your email list. list. I don't know. But it's like, yeah. I could see that as being a really effective tactic. But because you're not quite like comfortable with it yet, you know, it might not be that enjoyable, but it would be worth pursuing still. Uh-huh. But I think that's something that inevitably comes down to a conversation you have to have with yourself. Like, do you, do you hate this so much that, you know, you can't stand to do it just for a little bit longer for aggressive growth? Or is it something you can kind of put up with or it's costing you a lot or it's a lot of time, a lot of energy, that sort of thing? Uh-huh. And I mean, then there are the obvious ones, right? So there's the obvious, it's not effective and it's not enjoyable. Cut it at that point. 
right? Yeah. If you're not getting the kind of lead or sales uh, generation off of it that you think you should be. And so that's kind of why I asked, like, you know, what, what would personally determine that for you? And, and I don't think that's anything, you know, anyone can answer except for themselves. But, you know, we all kind of know our point when we're hitting that law of dim- diminishing or even negative returns where maybe it would be more valuable to quit. Right. You know what I mean? Like in terms of, you know, there are a lot of difficulties in keeping this podcast running, but I definitely think I'm still getting the positive or enough positive returns that I would definitely want to keep doing it. You know what I mean? But let's say I'm doing this uh, really crazy marketing approach where I'm paying for lots of ad space or I'm paying for TV time or something like that, right? Okay. And so it's just, it's hemorrhaging me money and I'm also not making any more leads or any more sales. At that point, it wouldn't necessarily be that bad of a thing to kind of take a step back, either rethink your approach and edit or just scrap that idea and try and go with something else. Do you know what I mean? I hear what you're saying. But I mean, I'm again, that's to, something. I'm trying to visualize all these quadrants. <laughs> I can, I can uh, do a really crappy drawing and we can put it on the show notes if you want. So let's just rename them for a second. Okay. So there's obviously everyone's favorite quadrant and that's the fun quadrant, right? Right. The one that's enjoyable and effective. If you love your approach that you're doing and you're getting back like lots of leads, lots of sales, lots of, you know, whatever. I mean, that's the lottery right there. That's the fun quadrant. Yes. And then right below the fun quadrant, maybe is the begrudge quadrant. Right. That's the one where uh, it does benefit me, but I hate doing it, but I'm going to do it because I know it's a good thing to do. No, 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 no. You're thinking about this wrong. That would be to the left of the fun quadrant. The left of the fun quadrant. Okay. Yeah. To the left of the fun quadrant is where it's not enjoyable, but it is effective. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of like, uh, so it's in the positive. It's staying above water. Right. Exactly. It is still in the positive. And, and the idea there is, you know, the reason why it's, you know, even in that sense where it's effective, it's important to be able to take a step back and decide whether or not this is, you know, really valuable to you. And I think what that, goes into a little bit, especially when it comes to like these marketing approaches or, you know, business building or anything like that is, do you think continuing this effort will be beneficial in the long run for your business or for your campaign or for your event or whatever? Right. You know, and if you can answer that in the, the affirmative, I mean, maybe it is for the best for you to keep pushing in that particular area. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, sometimes work can't be all <laughs> can't be all sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes you're going to have to struggle with it, but only if you think that it will yield the kind of positive results that you want to see. Mm-hmm. So, that makes you know, sense. like, yeah, like like we were talking about, um, you know, your marketing with the the vlog. Yeah, I don't like being you know? on camera, but actually doing it and you know putting myself out there in a different way. I don't like doing it, but I think it will be beneficial. Right. It'll help yeah. put a face to the company and all that blah, blah, blah. Uh, exactly. Going back to that law of reciprocity, you know, I think it'll be very, like, it'll be very valuable for you to continue in that, in that regard. So, you know, that's like one of those things. Now, directly under the fun quadrant is where it's enjoyable, but it's not effective as a strategy. Right. That's the 
ball pit quadrant. <laughs> sure, the ball pit quadrant, where it's like, well... It's fun you know, for a minute, and then you get stuck. Right, right. And so, you know, maybe a way to all think your change. About, <laughs> yeah, maybe a way to think about that is like, um, like, I can't really tell you because I don't really know much about your Instagram approach, but like you were talking about your Instagram. It's, it's enjoyable, like you enjoy creating the content for it, but it's not really yielding you the results that you're looking for. Uh-huh. So maybe that would be a point for you to not quit, but to edit. Right. I definitely yeah. need to reevaluate my Instagram approach. Yeah. And basically figure out, you know, like, how can I be getting greater yield out of this? Or, you know, and those are, of course, complex questions. I don't mean to, like, make it seem as though that's really obvious or anything. But, but I mean, I, I feel like, okay, so the, we'll, we'll rename it the ball pit quadrant, AKA the edit quadrant, the edit quadrant. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe not the ball pit quadrant. What's a better word for that? Uh, the, I don't know. Uh, edit quadrant. <laughs> you're having lots of fun, but nothing, you're not gaining anything from it. Yeah. That is, we'll call it the. Hmm. The, the, yeah. I'm going to say the watermelon quadrant. The watermelon quadrant? Yeah. Oh, right. Because, like, you're not actually, it's just, it, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's just like sweet, quadrant. juicy water that you eat. That's delicious. Yeah. But it has, like, almost no caloric value or, or nutritional value. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. But the, it's wa- fun. the watermelon yeah. quadrant. Everybody loves watermelon, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves watermelon. And then there's the last quadrant, which is like, that's the obvious one. If you're not enjoying it and it's not working, fucking quit it. That's the Mordor quadrant. The Mor- <laughs> the Mordor quadrant. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, I, I don't know. This is kind of the, the thing that I was looking into when I was kind of, and it's really rudimentary and simplistic, but this is kind of what I was thinking of when I was thinking, all right, how should we, like, what's the process for evaluation for marketing strategies or content strategies or anything like that? Like, how, how would I, you know, how would I decide whether I would keep doing something if I had to change my approach or if, uh, I would just quit something. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had to kind of like, I I took it back to a really, I mean, obviously fundamental and rudimentary understanding of how this goes, but, but basically that's the way I would think about it. Am I enjoying what I'm doing? And is this making a difference? And then basically using those two different value scales to be able to modulate and like decide, you know, so I guess this is going back to a decision matrix. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You and your decision matrix. Yeah. This is a visual representation sort of of a, well, I guess a decision matrix is already visual, but this is a charted, this is a charted decision matrix. I'm not, I'm not going to allow you to put a, another chart in another chart, a tip. (laughs) We're not going to incept these, this visual thing that you're trying to take us on right now. No, but, but if you think about it, it's, it's just like if I had a, uh, like, like a X and a Y column that was, you know, um, things that are, it's a pros and cons list. It's a pros and cons list, not an X and yeah. Y. We're already in X and Y in the fun <laughs> in the quadrant diminishing. Yeah, but it's range. a uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a this is a visual representation or it's a it's a graphical representation of a pros and cons list. How oh. great is that? Uh. <laughs> 
I think uh, I think uh, this will be our best episode yet. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's the most visual episode ever. We should have done this live with a live audience and a, and a whiteboard. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what really, you know what makes for a great podcast? Someone explaining a chart. <laughs> we are the kings of content. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, essentially to, you know, <laughs> that's, that's essentially what I'm starting to kind of procedurally look through all my efforts. You know what I mean? So for instance, um, my job as it stands now, it's like, so far, it's enjoyable and it's effective because it's paying me a lot, but then also uh, I'm learning a lot. As soon as my kind of learning and skill building ends up plateauing, then that kind of changes the conversation. Uh-huh. And then so it it kind of the efficacy of it comes into question because if I'm not gaining traction or moving forward towards, you know, in, in terms of content marketing and that kind of stuff, we're talking about leads and we're talking about sales in this, we're talking about like progression and life goals and all that kind of stuff. If I don't, if I'm not gaining any traction towards that, I mean, then even if I'm having a great time doing it, it really calls into question whether or not it's something I would want to keep doing. So, you know, you can use this kind of, uh, that kind of style of thinking in, in a lot of different aspects, whether it's, you know, do I think that my email list is going to work really well in terms of building me fans, you know, Uh and, and maybe your email list will be really effective at building you fans, but it won't be as effective at generating leads for movie tickets, you know, Mm -hmm. like it, it might not, or it might be pretty, you know, discreet in terms of how you can kind of, uh, view these things. I don't know. So as we leave the quadrants, (laughs) Uh, the big, I think the big, well, I think the big takeaway here is that it's about self-evaluating and categorizing all of your different approaches to whatever you're working on and seeing where they fall. And this chart that was just beautifully explained to us, <laughs> and, you know, see yeah. what's, what, what if, if something is working or if something's not working, if you're enjoying something or if you're not enjoying something, these are all things you should factor into uh, you're, if you feel stuck in a rut, you know, take time to sit down and evaluate all these little aspects of your approach and see what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And then make up a new approach if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, um, the real key is, is kind of taking the emotional side out of it. You know what I mean? You might get really tied into or like emotionally invested into a certain approach or a certain job or something like that. But kind of this style of thinking will be able to kind of, yeah, like like you said, allow you to kind of impartially self-evaluate and see if this is worth it in the end or if it's not. Uh And I think that's kind of the the approach that, you know, both of us are going to need to take moving forward in, you know, has this strategy worked out for me before or is there, you know, whatever, maybe I should be trying something new. Should I edit this process or should I totally scrap it? Um, that's definitely something that's going to be coming into play for me as I, because I've completely, you know, dove into this new job, but I still want to keep up my 
endeavors on the outside. And so I need to, or, you know, on, on my other things, like creating my own business and doing that sort of thing. Like I, I want to stay vigilant on that. Uh-huh. Um, so I need to make sure that, you know, everything that I'm doing now is still effective and enjoyable for that end goal, even though I'm, you know, like I need to make sure basically for me, I'm using it as a, as a approach and also time management skill, but cool, man. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know, just, uh, just some food for thought in terms of like, as you're approaching kind of when you're starting to deliver a whole lot of, uh, content and a whole lot of stuff. I mean, it's probably a good way for you to keep yourself on track of what you're doing. Right. For sure. For sure. Speaking of, I got your, uh, I got your, uh, business plan. What, what, what would you call that? Was that your pitch or your plan or your, uh, a confidential information overview? Yeah. So it was, thanks for telling everybody about it. I, I mean, I've, it's the vague representation that you have one. It doesn't mean that, uh, I'm going to spill any, I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. Calm <laughs> down. Calm down. Atish. If you want to get lawyers involved, we can get lawyers involved. Oh, you, did you not read the disclaimer before? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, anyway, well, yeah. well, the idea is that in the next week or so, I'm going to approach people to invest in my company per se, or a film project. And this is sort of, uh, I made a document that kind of gives an overview with, uh, basic numbers and ideas kind of outlined throughout just to kind of uh, supplement, uh, my in-person pitch. Yeah. So it's, it says, I want to create these three projects. Mm-hmm. You know, this project's about this, this project's about this, this project's about this. I put in a visual representation of each project. Cool. Well, what I, all I meant to say is that I thought it looked, uh, it looked really professional and I kind of liked wh- where you're going with that in that you're like, that's, you're kind of changing your tact for, uh, raising money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like different in a way than you are probably comfortable with or that you've done it before, but, um, everything looked really good. And so, you know, you've been working on your pitch, uh, and you are creating documents and trying to get kind of more aggressive about the way that you raise money. I, I, you know, that's exactly what we're talking about. Kind of editing your, your style or your approaches to stuff and now seeing like gaining insight onto how that works for you. Uh huh. Yeah. I, uh, I recently watched this uh, documentary about Tower Records. Uh huh. And it was about how they started in like 1966 or something like that in a drugstore in New York called uh, Tower Drugstores, something uh-huh. like that. And then they bought used records and they sold them to kids and then just started buying new records. And then they opened up a store in LA and then they opened up a store in uh, Japan or something like that. And hmm. then Napster happened. Oh, and then box stores started selling CDs or CDs happened, And the box stores started selling CDs at cost. And the, the one thing that tower records had going for them in the early sixties and the seventies is that it, it was a, a chain store, but it felt like a mom and pop shop mm-hmm. because whatever, wherever, whatever town they opened up a shop in, they kind of let the people there dictate how the store was going to feel and run and, what types of music they'll have there and all that other fun stuff. Yeah. What kind of selection they have, yada, yada. But, uh, and then Napster happened and nobody's, you know, if people stopped buying CDs and everything went digital, but they kind of refused to change their business plan of going to a town and opening up a shop. Cause every time they yeah. went to a town and opened up a shop, it was hugely successful. 
until uh, everything started going digital and they had no plan to change and roll with the times. And now they, you know, they filed for bankruptcy. And I think there's only one in uh, Japan right now. Damn. Which is still alive and thriving. Yeah. I mean, basically, if you, uh, what is it? If you uh, fail to change or, or basically if you don't take in any of the, you know, changing data and inferences around you, then it's going to make it almost impossible for you to keep running a sustainable business for, you know, years and years and years. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, so we always kind of have to be a little bit, uh, but, but being able to be open-minded and willing to try something new, I think is a, a tough thing to do. It's a scary thing to do. Mm-hmm. No, most definitely. Uh, you know, you being open-minded like that, but then also understanding we, we live in a causal universe. Everything has, every effect has a cause. So, you know, you have to just be able to make inferences about the stuff that's happening around and then be able to predict what what are the best courses of action? Which, I mean, if I had that skill, I'd be a lot better off than I am right now. <laughs> we all would be. We all would be. Yeah. Well, so it's, it sounds like you've got some uh, promising things in the pipeline. Um, and uh, essentially, we're just going to be... Uh, Going into my specialty, the lab, right now. We're going to be uh, oh, we're going testing, to retesting. Hmm? We're going into the lab? Well, the metaphorical lab. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, not. don't worry. I'm, you don't have to make a real lab. We're going into the metaphorical lab, and, uh, you know, we're, we're really going to see, like, you know, you're going to take on a whole bunch of new approaches and get kind of creative with what you're doing uh-huh. uh, or get creative with uh, your kind of audience building and uh, marketing approaches. And we're going to see what really works, what doesn't, you know, things you should keep, things you should uh, break up with in the parlance of uh, you, as you put it anyways. Right, right, right. Um, I was also thinking, just to add everything, add to all this awesomeness that we're going to attempt to do, is I need to kind of up my photography game Mm. because that's going to be the easiest way to make a quick buck. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to be dedicating a lot of my time to creating stuff for free, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I need, I need a way to kind of supplement some income fairly quickly and easily. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So I need to come up with a, I have some ideas for some uh, photography campaigns that I hope will work. Yeah. But there's only one way to find out. Yeah. Test and retest. Gotta throw it out there throw it out there thank you for listening to creativize strategize and synergize if you're listening to us on apple podcasts please subscribe share and leave a rating we'd really appreciate it you can find chris on social media using the handle at elephant scout you can find me with at atish mazish and finally you can follow the podcast on twitter with at css podcast if you have any questions or comments please email us at podcast at thank you so much